Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 84 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, what's up? Jesse, not a lot is up right now. Just got done watching our Jays the last two uh, days. Tally, 34 runs. Yes. Um, yeah, they're not not our everyday, guys. It's just good to see um you know offense it's a it's a good it's a good start man just happy to be here happy to talk about explosive offense and of course mm -hmm. it's our it's our division rivals episode man how we shake up against the other teams That's in the right, division yep. so looking forward to that yeah as you mentioned there today on the show we are officially into season preview mode with this and our next four episodes going into deep into previewing the toronto blue jays this season and what to expect for this team going forward today as you mentioned we're going to look around the american league we're going to look at the al east and see how other teams in the division shake up to us how good are these blue jays going to be within the division and plus we've got some new uh, promotional giveaways to discuss this year we have a new member going into our level of excellence which i'm very excited to get into and we have some more takeaways of what happened in spring training but before we get into the show guys remember our show is free and we're available on all platforms so if you're watching us on youtube please like the video and subscribe to the channel we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers before seasons end and if you're listening to us in podcast land please take the time and leave us a five-star review it really is the best way to help the show grow you can follow us on tiktok instagram twitter you can really be a big part of the buds and blue jays family but we're just getting started but with that being said riley we did have some big news into Blue Jays camp here, and that was on Wednesday's game where our first baseman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., had to be removed in the second inning of his game with, quote, right knee inflammation. Now, he did get an MRI done, and although it did reveal there was no structural damage, there was some minor inflammation on there, and the injury caused him to uh, actually have to withdraw from the World Baseball Classic here, which you could tell Vladdy was very excited to do. Um, so, Riley, give me a concern level, I guess, on a scale of 1 to 10. How concerned are you about Vladdy's knee injury right now? I'm at a five right now, but it's a tale as old as time, Jesse. I mean, if you hurt a limb or any part of your body, what do they say? You, you got to stay off it, man. Yes. So I, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned now because he's withdrawn and I'm sure he's going to take a significant amount of time off for the rest of the spring training because we need him healthy for the regular season. So if these precautions are taken, I mean, my concern level could be nothing. Now, of course, you go into when you talk about, you know, knees and legs, ligaments, things like that. The, the complicated complicated body parts that are you're on for 162 mm -hmm. games i mean you don't want to aggravate any injuries or anything so i want you know next time he fields a ball next time he takes a plate appearance you know i want him to not you know go at it full force i think that you know he's gotta he's gotta make sure that he is he is in full full health mode before he gives it 100 percent. because of course jesse we just can't we just can't be losing vladimir guerrero jr long term if it's spring training which hey it, it happened now not mm -hmm. in the middle of a, a playoff race in august when we really need him i mean if you're gonna get hurt let's get it out of the way early but certainly jesse it's something you don't want to re-aggravate so taking the time off is very necessary i want to make the caveat here too neither riley or i as much as we want to believe we're not doctors so we don't know we could look at an x-ray and i don't even know what it would be showing me looking at there but uh Inflammation does not seem good because you never want to start the season from behind. I've never liked that because it usually always starts with one thing in spring and then, you know, he aggravates it later in the year. The next thing you know, he's just playing through an injury all season. And that's the last thing we want because we've talked about several times that we need Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to be explosive and to be dominant for this Blue Jays team to really reach our highs this year. And I think... After reading the reports that some players came out, it wasn't the Blue Jays' decision to turn him away from the World Baseball Classic. I think it was Vladdy's. And Vladdy said, he's like, you know, my priority first is going to be the Blue Jays. It is going to be this team and putting my best step forward for this team. So as much as Vladdy really wanted to go play for this team, I think he decided, you know what, it's probably best for me and my teammates if I just remain in camp, take a few days off here, rest the knee. Because what's the saying? An ounce of uh, prevention is better than an ounce of a cure or whatever, right? So... Get Vladdy off the knee, get some rest because we need him to mash this coming season. Yeah, I mean, you want them, you want your star players healthy, of course. And I think, you know, being part of a World Baseball Classic, I mean, it's extremely, it, it's extremely cool, man, to represent your country or your your place of origin as far as uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. story is. Um, so that's a hard thing to do. If he made if he made the decision all by himself, 
I like that. I like that for him because it shows how dedicated he is to this Blue Jays team and that he really wants to be healthy for the regular season and contribute to, you know, winning ball games for us, man. You saw how he was the last two years. We need him to be a part of this lineup, a contributing member uh, for, for our team to uh, win early and win down the stretch and hopefully, you know, get into the playoffs. I will say prior to the injury too with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he did look good. Remember, he had two home runs. We talked about him in our last episode, how good Vladdy looks. And the launch angle, Riley, was something we wanted to see from Vladdy up to 19 degrees in his, albeit his very short spring training appearance. So Vladdy looked good. Let's just hope you can guess this. Get some at-bats in before we get to St. Louis for opening day and be in a good shape. But Riley, but that's uh, it for Vladdy there. Have, we've now got another week's worth of spring training games here. Is there something else that caught your attention? Maybe another player, another storyline that you want to bring up here? I mean... I think I think it's all hands on deck right now, man. Like I said in my intro, we've scored a tremendous amount of runs. Now, not all these guys are going to be members of this this team come opening day, but as the camaraderie is right now, I mean, we're we're not singing to the best pitching right now. No, um, as far as up and down, but you know what, man? Um, I think. I think we're absolutely mashing. We have one of the best offensive teams in the league and it's, it's really showing early. And Mm -hmm. I I think the rest of the team, the rest of the league has to be taking notes to this right now because there are guys, there are guys that aren't in our lineup who can produce power like that. I mean, there's a lot of power potential in this, in this roster up and down, man. And you saw it in the last two spring training games, man. And like you say, they're only spring training games, but there's some, there's some crossover somewhere. It's it's relatable statistics in in some way you want to call 18 runs, nine and 16 runs, eight. Sure, Sure, man, because how often we're going to give up six or seven runs in a ball game, knock on wood, few and far between. You know what? If it wasn't for Vladdy, you know, taking that taking that injury and taking time off, I have really zero concerns for this ball club right now. I'm I'm quite confident in in the guys that we have where there was talks that, um, you know, of adding ball players, um, you know, closer to our starting date. I think if we didn't add anyone, I think I, I think we're in good shape, Jesse. That's my thought. Um, just concerns flying with Vlad and I hope the rest of the, the guys are taking notes Hey, eh? like don't uh, you know and it's it's simple plays man you know there's just some bad luck and some injuries but I mean just shows you how how things go and how unfortunate the game can be to you sometimes I mean you'd rather the Jays are scoring 18 19 runs a game than giving up 18 or 19 runs a game right even though it's spring and even though it doesn't mean much um, you mentioned moves to be made towards the end the Jays are likely going to probably make another trade of some kind before the season starts remember last year the Reese McGuire for Zach Collins trade didn't happen until the last week of spring. I remember the Jays traded Kendris Morales the day before opening day one year. So I would bet there is something that's going to happen here. But I wanted to talk about a couple player performances that have really caught my eye this spring, Riley. And you and I on the pod have yet to react to what Ricky Tiedemann did in his first debut. We've talked about him a lot. We threw up a little Instagram reel, a TikTok video about Ricky Tiedemann. But it was really good, man. I was so impressed with the young kid. Throwing as hard as 99, he got... now. Javier Baez to strike out. Javier Baez will do that. He strikes out a lot. But the fact that Ricky Tiedemann was able to do that and blow 99 past him, like he never at all last year ever threw a pitch 99 miles per hour or faster. And he did it in the end of February here, which is very, very good for him. And he made Matt Veerling look silly with the changeup. Go back and look at the clips of some of you have seen it. It sounds like he's on the Alec Manoa plan. They're probably going to send him to Buffalo to start the year. And if he continues to impress like he did in his first spring training outing, I think we could see a lot of Ricky Tiedemann in the Blue Jays uniform this season. This guy is a talk around the league for sure. Other teams, mm-hmm. clubhouses. He is He is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, and it, sh- it showed in his first appearance against Major League Company. Um, you want to, you want to, you know, get your name um, tossed around word of mouth wise in uh, in other teams' locker rooms. You go out there and do what Ricky Tiedemann did mm-hmm. um, and, and show up that way. A kid as young as he is and the tools that he has and as hard as he's throwing it, as good as his stuff is um, he sh- that he showcased in his appearance. I mean, it absolutely lights out, man. Again, um, I will take him as early as he needs. But again, it's one of those things where I want to save a guy like Ricky Tiedemann. Um, if he goes out and gets, you know, hit around in, in, in a start, whenever they decide to bring him up, I do hope they, they send him back down 
build his confidence back up, things like that. Who mm-hmm. knows? He could be a guy that takes over the league immediately, Jesse. And I mean, of course, that's the that's the overall goal. Every yeah, that'd be great, general right? manager <laughs> wants that. Every every team wants that, man, of course. But that doesn't always happen. So I like to be optimistic, Jesse, but I also like to be realistic. Yep. And um, you know what? Alec Manoa did it. Um, I'm not, I, it's hard to compare Tiedem and, and, and Manoa, um, and for certain parts of their game are similar, but a lot of it is, yeah, is a little bit different, but, right. uh, Ricky Tiedemann is a, is a, is a special, as a special player, a special person. And, um, and he's got a real bright future ahead of him, but it was good to see him do so well, uh, at his first appearance with us. Yeah, I'm really excited, dude. You know I love the upside, and seeing Ricky Tiedemann do some of these things only gets me more pumped for what his future could be with this Toronto Blue Jays team. I had a few other notable players that I wanted to touch on here, and Riley, this is a deep cut here, but we're going with Quinton Bernard, and if you've been watching these Blue Jays games, he's been coming onto the games late, usually as a pinch runner or like an extra hitter late in the game, the six or seven, but he is actually quietly impressed me so far this spring. Now he's 30 years old. He, he made his major league debut last year after being a career minor leaguer. And he's a pedestrian four for 11 this spring with just three singles and a double. But even some of his outs, Riley, have been real loud contacts. He had a line out that went 103 miles per hour. He had another ground ball that went 101 miles per hour. He has always hit lefties well in his career, which is, hey, you always need to type a guy off the bat off the bench and the speed that this guy can bring is incredible. Riley, his 90 foot sprint speed was in the top 10 in all of baseballs just behind guys like Corbin Carroll and Trey Turner last year. So with the blue Jays kind of lacking good outfield depth, they might actually use Winton Bernard here in case there ever is an injury to Kevin Kiermaier or George Springer to get a run on this team. I think he's earned that spot. So I think it was uh, it was the Rockies he first came up with a eh, in, in yeah, their system. Year. He got traded. He got traded around a bit. He's got. I watched the I watched the video um, on YouTube at some point six mm. or seven months ago. Maybe guys got a good good minor league story. So I like having guys like that. Uh, kind of not the same as Gifton to go pay um, sure, yeah. with Pittsburgh. Still kind of the same same deal. Love to see those guys get up because um, you don't. It's a lot of it's it's kind of like. Um, you know, it's a mystery. It's a mystery box in a way, Jesse. You don't really know what you're going to get out of guys like that. We know that the, the sprint speed is is lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it if really the is. bat comes around, I mean, that's an absolute bonus. I mean, let's let's take what we can get with this guy because he's shown up so far. So, I mean, let's let's use those tools. And if he's showing that he can play at a consistent level, I mean, all the better, man. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing out of Bernard so far. So it's um, let's see what else he can do on on the ball field because um, he's really been impactful for us so far in spring training. Like a guy who can run like that, one that's an automatic weapon off the bench to be a pinch runner or a defensive replacement, and he can hit the ball hard, which means he can run into some power. There are tools here, Riley, and if those things can click, he could be a really good player. It's just maybe he's just one of those late bloomer guys that we've seen before. Um, Riley, give me another name of another player you think has either impressed you in a good way or a bad way so far this spring. Well, of course, we we got to go to um. We got to go back to Barger, but another guy yeah. who I think has less of a chance. Um, uh, Vinny Capra, uh, yeah, three-run like home run in that ball game. I uh, yeah, I, like. It's funny. I I you want to talk about two guys that are kind of fighting over a spot, Capra and Barger. Like I'd like to say that um you know it, there's a chance that uh, it could go to Barger, but I'm fine with Capra too. He spent a little bit of time um in the major leagues. I think on a very very small cup of coffee Jesse but um still yeah still stuff you like to see man I mean there's there's a lot of guys I I told you before the show man like we're gonna have an extremely good team in Buffalo um Mm -hmm. I'm quite confident in in those fringe players the guy that are first first up um in um you know to the major league teams like they're, they're I mean, I'm fine with whoever they call up. It's not one of those too, too worried situations. Um, but yeah, Jesse, I guess as a, I, a lot of the young guys have impressed me, Barger Capra, um, for sure, man. Um, and, uh, Varsho too, a little bit. Um, like it's, 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 it's been all right, man. We've had, we've had a decent go of spring training so far. Wasn't too impressed with, um, Manoa's outing. I mean, he, again, it's small sample size. I've trusted that when Manoa gets to the big stage, things are going to go a little bit yeah, better for him. I agree. But, I agree. you know, that's the game of baseball, man. Um, but honestly, man, and, and Kikuchi um, obviously is, has been all right so far. Yes, too. So I'm not t- like the, the, 
the I, I haven't been in love with the bullpen so far, but um, that that will come along, I'm sure, and hopefully soon, Jesse. Yeah, let's talk about a guy in that bullpen there, and that's Trevor Richards, Riley. And remember last year during the season, there was a good probably six-week stretch where Trevor Richards did not look good. I remember the Jays had to put him on the IL for neck issues, I think it was, because the joke was he was watching so many balls fly over the fence, he kept snapping his neck backwards, so they had to put him on an IL. And then he was better down the stretch, but he has not looked good this spring, Riley. And you could really make the case that he might not be on this team for long because we've got guys like really pushing up to him, like Hagen Danner, Nate Pearson, Julian Fernandez, Yasver Zuleta are all guys who are all putting together pretty good spring so far and that look like they just have better stuff than Trevor Richards. So he has an ERA of 16 so far this spring. Now, again, spring training stats, very small sample size. All the caveats apply. But, you know, he was kind of on thin ice last year. He's only under contract for one more year. Like, now, he might get saved because if Mitch White has to begin the season on the IL, they can carry it on their bullpen arm, and that might allow Trevor Richards to get through. But if he continues to struggle and his struggles leak into the season, Trevor Richards might be not long for the spot on this team. No, it. you know what? If you were to ask me before any innings, I think I would have had Trevor Richards somewhere um, at the back end of, you know, the bottom part of the bullpen for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, now it's just, um, you know, he's playing himself out of, out of a spot. Right. And, um, he would be a guy that gets, uh, for me, he's actually got a pretty short lease to begin with, um, in comparison to, you know, his, his comparable, um, reliever companions, which would be a guy like Adam Simber. Um, mm-hmm. I would give him probably a shorter leash. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's playing himself out of a spot. We've seen Trevor Richard be effective but we've also seen a lot of trevor richards not be very good um so that that concerns me um and i mean in the next two appearances jesse if he struggles i mean yeah um he might not be cut out to uh, pitch out of the pen for us uh, at, at the major league level right now yeah, let's keep an eye on that going forward here. Riley, I got three more players I wanted to touch on a little bit here. One is Kevin Biggio has been playing a lot of outfield this spring, and he has actually looked pretty good in right field. I know he made a couple diving catches Ooh. there. He started a double play at one point, throwing at a run at first base. And I just I just don't see, though, when we get into the regular season, how much outfield Kevin Biggio is actually going to play. Because think, if there's a left-handed pitcher on the mound, right, Kevin Biggio is going to be on the bench because he's a left-handed hitter. So if he's a right-handed hitter, like a right-handed pitcher on the mound, like you're probably going to want Whit Merrifield in the outfield and Kevin Biggio at second base instead of Whit at second and then Kevin in the outfield would be my guess here. But yeah. And like, there are guys, like you said, like Barger, like Capra, like Nathan Lucas who are fighting for this roster spot. So it's cool that I guess Biggio is showing his skills here. Maybe the blue Jays are just trying to put him on a little bit of a showcase or something. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's going to be tough to see Biggio play a lot in the outfield this season. I mean, I certainly love the catch he made down the line. That was a, that, that was, was a nice. fantastic was catch defensive defense. Effectively and aesthetically appeasing to me watching him play outfield. It could be very uncomfortable for infielders to play um, the outfield, obviously. But uh, Biggio, good versatile player. I can appreciate that. His dad played both, or I should say three, catcher, outfield, and Mm -hmm. the infield. So maybe maybe a little bit of Craig in him there. We know it's probably not going to be with the hits. And that's the the thing we're kind of getting to, Jesse, is that versatility is great in a player. And he could play very well, very much above average defense at both positions. But, I mean... We're kind of looking at a batting order that, um, you know, if we do have a right-handed pitcher, Jesse, I mean, is there a chance that we have our eight, nine hitters, our Kiermaier and Biggio? Um, that could potentially lead to, I mean, I'm not going to say two for sure outs. We never know in the game of baseball, um, but it's a lot to trust. You know, you always want your bottom of the order guys to turn it over to the top guys. I mean, that's, you know, doesn't always happen, but it's nice when that happens. Um, you know, I don't I, like I I don't trust Biggio at the plate. Of course, spring training different, but I mean, his, his, his batting average when he came into the league, wasn't great. He had a superb on base percentage in his first, first season with us or first, whatever stint. And then from there, the, the average has been abysmal and the on base percentage isn't where it should be what we were told it should be. So he's really done nothing at the plate for me to, 
like want to stick him in the lineup unnecessarily, but it is, but Jesse, for the, for the sake of it, it is good to see him play good defense. Yeah. And that's good for Kevin Biggio, right? He's showing, he's still going out there. He's still trying hard. He's still doing the little things to help the team win. And that is a good guy right there. Two more takeaways I had here. Um, and they're both from our starting pitchers is Jose Barrios and Chris Bassett. Both of them pitched here today. Um, Jose Barrios, the big thing looking at him is his spin rate on his curveball is up significantly up over 300 RPMs, which is quite a big jump. There. He's also been throwing his curveball about five miles per hour faster this year. Now, I couldn't find a quote or anything that he said or anything John Schneider had said, but we did know that Jose Brios was trying to do something a little different here. So I think maybe this could be used to get better success for Jose Brios on his curveball this year because we know he's been tinkering a lot already this spring to try to get his groove back. And the other one I want to talk on was Chris Bassett here. And Riley, his velocity on all of his pitches were down across the board, about four miles per hour on average on everything and a whopping seven and a half miles per hour on his changeup. Now, again, first batter of spring and his appearance today was a little better, but everything was still down about three miles per hour or so. So I guess I have two questions for you. One, are we concerned about Chris Bassett's velocity being down so far, or do we think it's going to come back up this spring? And then do you have a thought on the new curveball, I guess, that Jose Brios has shown? So I'll address the Bassett thing right now because I do have a theory on that. Of course, in your first few outings, um, you I, I don't think he was doing 100%. He might be messing with stuff, maybe trying to get some control down against, you know, live hitting, things like that. Um, when you throw six but, pitches, right? Like it's, Yes, yeah. a, ab- <laughs> absolutely. You maybe want to nail, nail control, right? I mean, walk mm-hmm. before you walk before you run. Um, but there is, Jesse, the chance that, you know, maybe if you look at his first four starts in the regular season let's hypothetically say maybe yeah maybe oh we look at all his pitches around the board and they're down like i don't know 1.5 miles an hour Mm -hmm. let's just say on all his average pitches because i doubt it's going to be f4 but maybe there is a chance that velocity's dropped a bit i don't think it's going to be as significant as four and i don't think it's quite too maybe a, a, a mile and a half slower across the board averaging out on all his pitches which isn't i mean Look at look at the picture. He's he's on the as you say the wrong side of thirty, but he's still got a lot of other weapons. Velocity was never really his his big thing. He's got great movement on those pitches, and I mean if he can control all them and 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 you know hitting and painting the corners of the zone, then I don't think velocity is is really the issue there. Um, I mean, it's always nice to throw it a bit faster, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see if if he loses if he loses velocity in his next start, then we start to be a little bit more concerned. But if he t- kind of turns up the temperature, uh, you know, just bit by bit towards the regular season, then yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and Brios, I think, like I think he kind of cha- trying to change his whole thing. I personally think that he should just go, you know, the sinker ball style pitcher, anyways, uh, yeah, because we've seen his guy, yeah. like. I mean, because I mean, there something happened. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying like a, a, no conspiracy theory. I'm not saying it's like an alien abduction for Barrios, <laughs> but it just kind of seems like along those lines for the guy, because all of a sudden, like, did aliens pick him up after? Like, I know he moved. I know he moved from Minnesota to Toronto. That's great, but something over that off season, man. And then he took them out against Texas, um, and you know, it started. It started it from there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I. Think think that he's changed he has i think jose brios has the hardest job this spring training i think he has to do maybe between him and kikuchi have them their work cut out for them the absolute most but i think right now there is more on jose brios's shoulders than kikuchi i mean there's a they're different pitchers and and completely um so jose brios is is certainly you know gotta gotta figure something out from from that but yeah i like if his curveball is effective man that's all that matters for me if if it's a if it's a 12 to 6 curve you know 12 to 6 curve that goes 69 that's greater if it's a sharper curve that's floating around 77 then yeah throw that whatever works for you man because we need jose brios to be on this year Hey, he's there. He's trying. He's working on stuff. And he did give up a two-run home run in the game today, but settled in quite nicely after that. So he seems to be, at least he's having a better spring so far this spring than he did last year. And uh, one more note on Bassett, too, is 
last year, no pitcher allowed more soft contact than Chris Bassett. And even though his velocity is down across the board, Riley, he he faced nine batters today and not a single one of them hit a baseball harder than 96 miles or 97 miles per hour. So a lot of soft contact from Chris Bassett, even with the reduced velocity, I think he's going to be just okay. Riley, let's move on now to, and- oh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What you're going to say. No, I was going to say, and what do you expect? That's the that's the Chris Bassett way, man. I won't spend too much time, but I mean, he's he's going to be a guy that gets into a lot of ground balls for infield, mm-hmm. and he's, it's the thing of beauty, man. It's it's going to be it's going to be nice. Hundred percent. So now let's get on to our main topic here, Riley, and I want you to fill in the blank with me. The Blue Jays will finish in blank place in the AL East this year. <laughs> they'll finish to, in first place they might yes, even tie sir. we might Let's have a go. game 163 jesse Ooh, i like that there's a there's a bold call for us on there it's going to be it's going to be close. I don't want to like I I mean let's not kid ourselves. Um we're not the best team in the division yet. We do have a long way to go, but I think there's going to be a very tight race for the American League East, man. All right, well, let's get into team by team. We're going to go through to see how the Blue Jays kind of stack up with this. And I guess we'll start in the Bronx with the New York Yankees because they're going to be the team the Jays were competing with the most last year. It's going to be the team they're probably going to compete the most again this year. And, uh, like, let's look at the schedules, too, because this the divisional matchups used to match, matter so much more because it used to play each team, I think it was 16 times in a year. Now, because the Jays are playing every single Major League Baseball team in a series at least once, the Jays don't actually have as many divisional games this year as they have in years past. So I guess that'll just mean, though, the games you date, do play in the division are going to mean so much more this year. So let's look at the schedule, for example. The Jays play the Rays and the Yankees pretty early in the year. I think they have a series in April and they play again in May. And then we don't see either team again until late September. So there's a massive stretch between seeing the Rays and the Yankees again. So Jays will have to win those, uh, those games very early. And let's start with the Yankees. Then they finished last year with a 99 and 63 record. They won the division. They got into uh, the ALDS there, but they did it Riley. If you remember the Yankees season, they exploded out of the gate. I think they went 64 and 28 in the first half, but after the all-star break, they were just a 500 team Riley. They finished 35 and 35 and the Yankees, you know, when you think of the New York Yankees, you think of, oh, they're the Bronx Bombers. They mash their way. Aaron Judge is hitting a billion and four home runs. You know, like that's how they do it. But if you really look at the metrics for the Yankees, their best skill was their team defense. In fact, they had a 15.2 defensive war in the first half. The next closest in baseball was 9.4. And they had a 24.4 defensive war in the second half with the next closest being 10.9. They were leaps and bounds, the best defensive team in baseball last year. And I think that really surprised me when I was looking that up. It surprises me because they got Kiner Falefa playing a couple innings. And I mean, Donaldson isn't what he's used to be. I mean, Judge, hey, Judge Judge is a fantastic defender as well. So, I mean, you'll have to look at their numbers. Um, Maybe their catchers. um, Jose Trevino, I think, is a fantastic defensive catcher as well. So there might be a lot of um, numbers in there. The town Canadian kid basically growing up watching uh, you know a lower lower budgeted M- against players that are bought from different organizations mm-hmm. yep. um to put together and win and win championships or try and win championships so i mean we got to compete against these guys with uh, with with i think Jesse what we're throwing at them is a great mix of veteran players there then we got our home brewed players who are absolute superstars absolutely fantastic and i think we've made very smart and selective free agency signings uh, to go with that and some and some smart trades for the now the trades we made in the in this offseason um are really you know they're not really future trades you sure you could look at varsho and say yeah he's got great team control but we're looking to beat the yankees with with this team and yes. i think that we have a possibly a really good chance to do that this year. So let's look at what they've done and how their team is going to be different. So their big free agent splash was they added Carlos Rodon, who was a really good pitcher last year, one of the best. But if you look at the other names they've added, like these names don't excite you, right? Willie Calhoun, Wilmer Defoe, Billy McKinney, former Blue Jay, Tyler Danish. Like none of those names really entice you at all. And if you look at the, some of the guys they're losing, Riley, Jamison Tyone, who was really good for them last year, is going to uh, Pittsburgh now. We got Chad Green. He's on our side now. Zach Britton's gone. Andrew Benintendi's gone. Aroldis Chapman is gone. Matt Carp who came up and was really good for the Yankees, had some good power numbers for them. He's gone now too, Riley. And if you look at it, the Yankees have added about 
20 or so worth of 2020 of 2022 war to the roster, but they've lost 21.3. So you can make the argument that the Yankees got worse. And that doesn't even include guys like Frankie Montas who got hurt and probably won't be in the, uh, in the rotation for quite some time. Like, they are really relying on, I guess, internal improvements. Maybe some of their top prospects come up and hit the ground running. And they're hoping that Aaron Judge has another monster season to really carry this team. I think there is some fallout potential from this New York Yankees team, and they might not be as good as we think. I, I, yeah, I agree to some extent, Jesse. Let's let's put things in perspective. Aaron Judge won't hit as many home runs as he will. Yeah, as he, under he won't hit as many home runs yeah. this year. As, as absolutely, I don't think Carlos Rodon pitches as well as he did last year. Look at the ball, but it's gonna ballpark is gonna factor in huge with Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean. Between between Garrett Cole, Severino, Nestor Cortez, I mean, who? Don't get me wrong, Jesse. They're all fantastic pitchers. Of course, but um, I, I you you average them out. I think I think by far, um, you know, Severino has a real good opportunity to be a good pitcher in this league, a great pitcher, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, he's either gonna tap, take a he's either gonna take a huge step forward or a huge step back this year. Pretty much, I would say this for Severino. It's probably um, it's another kind of thing where his career is kind of going to go off of what happens this year. And, a guy, and like, I think Cole's going to be as good as he was last year, but I don't think Cortez is going to be as good as he was last year. I still think the Yankees have real good pitching, but I think if we play them in our ballpark, or even if we play them in their ballpark, we're both boom boxes. We're going to get scores like nine to, t- uh, you know, nine to eight, things like that. And with, with the offensive power that we got, we got to get on their pitchers because you have five of them. Is, is who's going to hit more home runs in a game? The combination of a Springer, Bo, Vlad, and go down the list or one Aaron Judge? Let's hope yeah, that exactly. our guys could hit more home runs than and one one guy because I don't think it's going to be Stanton and Donaldson I can tell you that yeah, I'm kind of with you there too to be honest and Riley like I'm looking at the team and I think the Yankees are a lot closer to that second half team where they were literally just a 500 team I think that's more closely to what the true talent of the Yankees is and Garrett Cole we talked about this last year he doesn't scare me like yes he can strike batters out and yes he pitches deep in the game still but Jays have hit him well. I think didn't Vladdy have a three-homer game or a two-homer game off Garrett Cole at the start of last season, right? I remember Garrett Cole was trying to pick fights with Alec Manoa and stuff. Like, Garrett Cole does not scare me. And yeah, he's good, but I think the elite, like Houston Astros, Garrett Cole is long gone, right? And yeah, I just, I really do think out of all the teams we're going to go through today, I think the Yankees have a higher chance of finishing fourth in the division than they do of winning 99 games again. That's a really, really bold take, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sell that one. But I think that I think that like I think I think, man, I think on paper they're they're, you know, a bit overrated, which, you know, it's uh, yeah, we're homers as far as the Jays go. We are, and we don't, we are a Jays podcast. We don't go for the Yankees. Yankees hype at all. But 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 hey, man, like, let's be honest, like one guy isn't going to do it in your batting order. And I don't think that they're. This year, whatever the projected stats are on Rodon, I'm sure they're excellent. I don't think Rodon is going to be as dominant as he was. I think we're going to get more early Chicago White Sox numbers for mm-hmm. Carlos Rodon, which, by the way, are still really good. But yes. we're I don't see a sub-3 ERA happening. I could see a low-3 ERA happening, a whip around 1.15, 1.2. Like, I don't think he's that dominant um and I, like yeah i just they're batting order they're gonna have to if they're you know want to make a huge thing um roster impact through their nine hitters like it's gonna be with one of the young guys but i don't think Volpe or uh dominguez are, are, are really mlb ready i mean the yankees are they kind of gonna a lot on their pitchers and a lot on aaron judge this year yeah, and like old guys too, like DJ LeMay, who's still kicking around there and whatnot too. And so uh, they'll be interesting to see. Fangraphs projects them, I think, for an 88% chance to make the playoffs and about a 44.6% chance to win the division. I think that's too high still for both, but uh, they will likely be there. The Yankees haven't had a losing season since 1992, so you can bet they're going to be at least a 500 team or better going forward here. Any last thoughts on the Yankees before we move on to another team, Riley? Nope. The team, uh, 
basically my last thought is the team I, I, I like to beat the most out of yes. any of these Amen. teams. Amen. Me too. Can't wait to go into Yankee Stadium and kick some Yankee butt this year. All right. The next team, a team the Jays have historically struggled against is the Tampa Bay Rays. Last year, they finished with a record of 86 and 76, good for third in the AL East. And the Rays have always played the Jays well, especially down at the Trop, man. That's why we traded for guys like Whit Merrifield, who uh, statistically always hits well at Tropicana Field. And the Rays have been really good at being one of the most smart teams in MLB. They really play like uh, platoons well. The way they manage their bullpen and stuff is very different because they've never been the huge financial team. So they've had to learn to win in different ways, which is, which is smart for them, but uh, annoying as a team that uh, has to play them all the time, but uh, their key off season moves, their additions, they signed Zach Eflin to the largest contract the Rays have ever handed out, which is weird. They chose Zach Eflin to be the guy they give all that money to. They've also added guys like Kyle Crick, Ben Gamel, Heath Hembry, Charlie Culberson, no real monster names there. And they did lose some guys, some guys we've known to be raised for quite a bit. Uh, Ryan Yarborough is gone off that team. Corey Kluber, Kevin Kiermeyer has joined the Blue Jays, so he's not on their team anymore. Mike Zanino and G-Man Choi. So on paper, it looks like they've lost about 5.5 war and only gained 1.4. So it looks like the Rays on paper are about four wins worse than they were last year. Riley, what are your thoughts on the Tampa Bay? I, I totally agree with those thoughts, but you tell me that, um, you know, replacing a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer for Ben Gamble, like right. how does that <laughs> like, sound for you? Uh, honestly. Um, yeah. Kluber was a good one. And yeah, Yarborough, I don't know if he was the longest tendered Ray, but he was there for a long time. He always but, um, the Jays well, no, too. Not not even their best lefty. I want to talk about a guy who's probably going to be facing off with Alec Manoa for the next 10 Cy Young Awards. Uh, Shane McClanahan. Man. Yeah, he's good. He is, he's good. He is going to, I like, I don't know if it's going to be against us or the other 28 teams he'll be facing, but I think there's a really good chance that, that um, if it's not Manoa, who, by the way, is my pick for the American League Cy Young Award, Excellent. that it goes to Shane McClanahan I think they're I think they're extremely talented young pitchers and I think they're going to get better. I think if Manoa's right here, McClanahan is right like they're they're the same. They're just as good, man. Both we talk good. about Alec Manoa. They're they're down there in Florida talking about McClanahan like that. Um and I mean Look, they got another guy. You might have heard of him, um, Wander Franco, who's going to yes. be an absolute superstar. I don't know if he's going to really pop off this year, Jesse, but there's going to be a month where we know he's he's hit where he's supposed to be. Jesse, it could be in April. It could be in April 2026. Sure. I don't really know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And I really hope it's not this year. I'm really hoping because of the way that things are laid out, that yes, divisional games are very important, that we don't struggle against the Tampa Bay Rays because we could really use those wins. This is a team, yes, historically we have not played well, but we've obviously underperformed against these teams. I mean, I obviously don't have the rosters laid out in front of me, but there's no way that on paper for 20 years that the Rays have always been a better club than we have. I mean, we've just not played in the trop well. We've got a little bit unlucky. So let's hope we can turn this around a little bit this year, man. I think the Jays have only had one winning season against the Rays since 2015. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me that. But that's kind of what it feels like. And uh, I think I saw that sat somewhere. I'm not so sure. Uh, Wander Franco is interesting to me because he was the only prospect that the scouts gave an 80 grade hit tool. Like you just don't throw 80 grade hit tools to anybody. And Wander Franco was dealing with a lot of injuries and stuff last year, which could uh, explain his performance. But the upside is still sky high. And that's what's going to happen if the Rays are going to be good. It's going to be guys like McClanahan keeps doing his thing. Tyler Glasnow, by the way, Riley, is back. And and last time we saw Tyler Glasnow, he looked electric. Now, he might miss about the first three to six weeks of the season or so. But for the large percentage of the season, Tyler Glasnow should be back. And they've gotten, like, effective starters out of guys like um, Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs have pitched well, good quality innings. Like, these strike-throwing contact guys the Rays seem to have really liked. Shane Baz is recovering from elbow surgery, but he's another high-impact guy. And the Rays' bullpen was very good. If the Jays are going to want to have success against them, they're going to have to beat up on the Tampa Bay Rays' bullpen, which has always been a strength of their team. If you're going into a fantasy draft here in the next couple weeks, heed my words when I say this. Do not, by any means, draft Tyler Glassarm. <laughs> this guy is an absolute <laughs> band-aid. 
he's a great pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but this guy gets hurt way too often, and he could have been such a somebody in this league. Um, and obviously, Shane Baz, a good young pitcher as well. I mean, they they got, they, but hey, to lose Yarborough and Kluber, they were great too. But the Tampa system is is insane. They've always they seem to get, send out some pretty good pitchers, man. Uh, Rasmussen, um, a guy who. I mean, he went deep into ball games last year, which really, really surprised me. Mm. Um, I've, I'm not mistaken. He came over from the Brewers um, and was like a subpar guy, maybe at best, you know, or a, a fourth starter. He was looking to be towards, you know, on a bad team, he would might have been an ace pitcher. But I mean, on the Rays, he seems to fit in well. He can kind of be related to what Chris Bassett will be for us yeah, this year. Comp. Let's like hope that. he can put up, you know, maybe slightly worse, maybe slightly worse numbers than Bassett. But I think they're going to be about the same. I I think, you know, pitching wise, we're very evenly matched. Um, I think offensively, though, we we have them trumped and it's going to come a lot yeah. down to how we play against Tampa, man. Our luck against the Rays. We got to be able to beat them. Just think about the guys that uh, Tampa's going to throw in their lineup. Brandon Lau struggled last year. We kind of know what Brandon Lau is. Randy Arozarena, Yandy Diaz. Like, these guys just kind of are what they are. I, I don't see any of them taking huge leaps and getting significantly better. The one name I'm interested in, though, is um, Jonathan Aranda. He hit a home run. I saw him hit one to the second deck in the Rogers Center last year. He's a name to impress me that I'm uh, keeping my eye on. So if you're looking for a deep sleeper in those fantasy leagues you're talking about, Maybe take that name. But, Riley, what do you think? How do you think uh, the Rays are going to finish in this division? Any chance they finish ahead of the Blue Jays? I I don't think – I think there's a good chance they finish real close with the Yankees. Um, for the for – the, listen, for Tampa to finish ahead of us, mm-hmm. uh, uh, McClanahan has won the Cy Young and no yeah. doubtably locked it up. Wander Franco has, has hit his ceiling, and guys like – Randy and Rosarena have really broken through. Yeah. I mean, the guy is probably like right up there with Colby Rasmus for best playoff performer. <laughs> I've yet yes. to see him really accumulate in the regular season. Um, and yeah, sure. Let, let's say let's say that Josh Lowe or Brandon Lau get their names mixed up, but because they can spell the same, but they're pronounced yep, differently yep. in Aranda. But like, let's say they all chip in. Well, well, something's had to go extremely wrong for us. Yes, sir. I'd say our pitching is probably starting pitching is probably the most comparable in the MLB right now. Um, their, their bullpen has gotten a little bit worse. They still have some pretty good name guys in, in their pen, mm-hmm. um, but they do not have the, the power, the, the, you know, the, bat the ball skills that, that our Blue Jays have. I mean, we on paper and in my head, of course, because I actually don't care what's on paper in my mind. Like we kill them because we're, we're hitting against them with, we're, we're crushing, we're crushing them, man. All right. That's too much time talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a Blue Jays podcast. We'll see you on the field, Tampa. We'll see you down at the trop. If we don't light it on fire and we'll play against you. Let's get through these next two teams quicker. Riley. Uh, we'll go with the Boston Red Sox who last year were 78 and 84. Their season really fell apart. They had big expectations for their team. They thought their lineup was going to be good, um, but they didn't. Trevor Story didn't perform as well. JD Martinez struggled. Um, they lost a lot of guys this off season too. Like Xander Bogarts is gone. Eric Hosmer is gone. Nathan Ivaldi, Tommy Pham, Jeter Downs. And they replaced them with some names here. Uh, Rymel Tapia is there. Adam Duvall, Corey Kluber, Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen, Masataka Yoshida, and Alberto Mondesi are some of the key additions the Boston Red Sox made. Gained 9.5 war, lost 12.7. So it seems like on paper they've gotten worse this offseason too. The one big thing I will say about the Boston Red Sox though, Riley, is that Chris Sale is back. And if Chris Sale is back and he is looking good, he can be that certified ace at the top of the uh, Red Sox rotation, which is something they haven't had in quite a while. So tell me about the Red Sox, Riley. What do you think about I could that? I could tell you for for starters, Jesse. I think they're going to finish like I think they might be a sub five hundred team. I think that it's like they could go seventy eight and eighty four, um, and really not get as good as you would think out of out of guys like Chris Sale. You're like you lost a guy like Xander Bogarts. That's hard. He was a longtime Red Sox shortstop. I mean, you still have Devers. Um, that Tristan Casas is going to be an absolute uh, fantastic. I like him. And I we, I said before the show, like this guy is going to lead to the home runs in 2030. I truly, I'd love to look into the future at these guys. Casas is going to be a real good player. Um, I've always liked Mondesi. Uh, Raul Mondesi Jr. Formerly, I think <laughs> um, Alberto Alberto Mondesi. 
um, I think is it, first of all, these bigger bases, he's going to steal a lot of bases. I mm-hmm. think, you know, he might lead the American league. Trey Turner might lead the national league, something like that. Um, but Jesse, this team has taken, taken a, a huge, huge step back as, as far as I'm concerned, like you're it's for them to make any waves. Like Chris Sale's going to have to pitch like a a Cy Young winner. Um, Devers is going to have to um, pick this team up with everything he's got and hit about uh, 35 to 40 home runs with Casas possibly contributing and guys like Duran and um, Tapia. Getting on base, um, yeah, like guys, like uh, <laughs> their makeup of this team is is not a very Red Soxy team. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at their outfield now. At one point, their outfield looked like Trot Nixon, Johnny Damon, and Manny Ramirez. Um, this is nothing like that. We're two decades after that, um, and like totally different makeup of what the Red Sox has looked like to when I think of the Red Sox, I think back to their 2000s dominance. This is not like that. This is a sub 500 team as far as I'm concerned. And for us, Jay's playing them. I mean, we crushed them last year, man. We absolutely demoralized Boston um, at at their home ballpark, no less for by an astronomical amount of runs, 26 or whatever, 28. I think it was. 28 runs. It doesn't matter how many you, you talk 15 or more runs. You're in lethal territory. Like you've done something absolutely right. So I do not fear Boston at all. If anything, I feel bad for the tremendous step back that they have um, because you know what? Bogarts was their guy for a really long time and, and he's now in San Diego. So that stings for them. You know what? I, I more hate it for the players. I do not hate it for Red Sox fans whatsoever. No Me sympathy neither. there. Me neither. But we're, but this is a team um, that I think we're really going to capitalize on. Yeah, their pitching rotation behind Sale has a lot of question marks too. Like Nick Pavetta had some good and some bad. So did Garrett Whitlock. So did Tanner Houck. You know, I do like some of the bullpen moves they did, but I don't know if it's enough to put them over the top. And any lineup, Riley, that is regularly running out Bronson Arroyo and Reese McGuire, you have no chance. I'm sorry, especially with Trevor Story still on the IL. So, I, like, Fangraphs gives them about a 5.2% chance to win the division and about a 29.7% chance to make the playoffs. I'm probably taking the under on both of those going into this year. I don't think Boston's I, no question. They're not going to win the division. Um, they are still a long ways away from being in contention to that wild card. I know no games have been played, but Jesse, it doesn't take a crystal ball to see how a lot of things are going to unfold. I know there's a lot of variables in 162 games, but when you lose the amount uh, that you did with the Red Sox, I mean, you, you, we're talking to, we're talking getting set back miles. Yeah. I agree. Let's go to the last team in the division. And this is the Baltimore Orioles who took a very big step forward last year. In fact, they had a 31 win jump between 2021 and 21, 22. And Riley, I looked this up. This has only happened 13 times in MLB history. And in 12 of those cases, the team ended up losing more games the year after than they did the year prior. The only team that didn't Riley was the 1992 Atlanta Braves. And they met the blue Jays in the world series. So unless you think like, um, they have a starting rotation that's going to feature like Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and all these guys coming up in Baltimore. Uh, the numbers just say they are going to finish with less wins than they did this year. Um, like their key additions, for example, these names don't they don't like get you feeling anyway, do they? Like Nomar Mazzara, Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Adam Frazier, James McCann. Like those guys don't jump off the table for you for additions for Baltimore. The thing is with this team, though, Riley, is that they're young. And they're full of prospects. And those teams that do make a good jump kind of out of nowhere is when they have that young core and they come up and they look really good. Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, they have some good pitching prospects and like DL Hall and um, Grayson Rodriguez are some of the big name pitching prospects. So Riley, Baltimore, how are they going to do this here? Uh, they're they're going to finish. I think, Jesse, that they, they rival Boston. I think that still the AL East uh, comes out with you add up the totals of five teams, I think the AL East finishes with the best record among the six divisions in baseball. And I think that Baltimore does better than you would expect. I think this is going to be a tremendous tremendous year offensively for guys like Rushman, for guys like Ryan Mountcastle. Um, the Orioles, I'm very impressed with, their, with what they're doing. I don't think that guys like D.L. Hall and Rodriguez, if they do 
pitch in the big leagues, I think it's going to be um, not what you think. They're not going to, they're not going to start. Th- I don't think they start 30 games. They're still young. Um, but Rutschman took the league by storm. Yep. Um, Gunnar Henderson shows that he can be at the big league level. And a, and a guy like Ryan Mountcastle, who has been in the league for, for a and few years. always and, hit the Jays well, too. Ryan Mountcastle. I think, I think, Jesse, that it's a matter of time before he hits most, if not all, teams well. I'm not talking sure. a 300 batting average, but a 275 batting average with possibly 30 home runs. I mean, let's face it. He won't go down if we look back. Um, you know, 40 years from now, Ryan Mountcastle won't really be a name we remember, but there's going to be a four year window where a guy like Ryan Mountcastle is going to hit um, over 100 home runs in the, in that time frame and be mm-hmm. one of the better American League first baseman. And I think that's the time for it right now. Cole Irving for a pitcher, not a great guy to bring in. The guys they brought in to to help their team is not great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got I mean, they got great, great prospects. They might have the most top whatever amount of prospects out of anything, or they did at one point. Um, I think it was when Rutschman might have been a prospect. And at one point, Grayson Rodriguez was was a lot higher up than what he is now. Some scouts um, still think though he is the best pitching prospect in yeah, baseball still. So. I I, I, he's, he's going to be great. It won't, I don't think it'll be this year, but look, the Orioles are going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. My thought was this, Jesse, they know that they're not, they're not really in win mode yet. So why would we overpay a huge contract to someone? They're trying to line things up a bit better for their future, man. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to be competitive. Um, but they're definitely, they're, they definitely could have made a better team, but why would you, why would you put more money to still not make the postseason when you can kind of almost fake it and say four years down the road, um, you know, put together a team that can really win. Jesse, if we're doing this in four years time, we're going to be talking about a lot of the Baltimore Orioles being a much better ball team. I think this is probably there's a real big bright spot in this organization man it won't be this year it might not be the year after but baltimore is going to turn things around certainly not scared of them this year but i think you know what there'd be some good takeaways if we're up seven to two and rutschman hits a solo shot sure that's a good thing to see this guy will be a great catcher for years to come i don't think that they threaten the blue jays too much though as far as as far as us playing them um i think we've improved our team just as much Um, and I think that they still have a little ways to go for their top players to become top league players. Still a year or two away, I think, from them really taking the core. A successful season for Baltimore this year is their young prospects taking a step forward and looking like they're guys. They're just looking for guys to be part of their future core. Fangraphs gives them a 1% chance to win the division and an 8.7% chance to make the playoffs. I would actually go a little higher just in case that core does click, and maybe, I don't know, they get something good. Like they have been able to develop good relief pitchers. Felix Bautista was awesome. Jorge Lopez was good before they traded him. So maybe there's something there and maybe they can sneak in. But yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, not this year for Baltimore. Yep. But I think they'll, I think that like, you know, we've talked about the teams now. I, I think that it's going to be, I think there's th- three teams on the top tier and just, there's a top and a bottom tier in the division. And it's, it's us, Tampa and the Yankees and, and Boston and the Orioles are on, on the bottom of, of the division. I think that they're still going to field competitive teams. I just certainly don't think they'll t- be to degree of, um, of the first three, two teams we talked about in us, of course. So I'm going to go the AL East next year. We'll finish Jays up top. I'm going to go Tampa two. I'm going to go Yankees three, and then I will go, Baltimore than Boston as to be my five of how they line up. What's yours? So because I'm a flare, a bit of a flare for the dramatics, I'll say something like, um, oh geez, I don't know. 93 wins for us in the Yankees. We go to a game 163. We scoop 94 wins sure, off yep. that. Tampa does well. I think they're 91 wins. Um, and I think they could something like maybe the Orioles get 76 wins in, in Boston. They don't quite get 80, 78, 79 wins. Uh, still, like still, you look at those, those five records. I know they haven't played a game yet and it's hard for us to sit here and say how many wins they're going to have in 2023. Um, I think we're close to some degree. Um, we know who the contenders are and we know who the guys who possibly aren't, you know, going to be threatening as much, but I do give uh, the Orioles more than a 8% chance yeah, to win. I, I think, their numbers, 
I would drop Boston's numbers significantly and boost up the Orioles a little bit and, and kind of match them. I think they're closer than, than one would think. And if the Jays are going to be competing for a wild card spot, like we were last year, keep an eye on some teams in the West. Like I think the angels could be good. I've been saying that for years, but uh, eventually <laughs> they're going to be good, right? Texas did a lot of work. They could be an interesting team and let's not count out the Mariners, the white Sox, or the guardians. They have all got good teams that could be competing with the Jays as well. It's going to be a dog fight every single day around the American. American League. But Riley, we got to move on to some news and notes here. And some big news was dropped today. I am almost, I can't believe we're waiting this long in the podcast to talk about it on a Blue Jays show. But the Blue Jays have announced that they are going to honor Jose Bautista and putting him into the level of excellence on August the 12th, Riley. And I don't know about you, but it's about damn time they did this. Jose Bautista was one of the best Blue Jays of all time. I think he's second in home runs, second in run scored. Um, he has the most home runs hit in an individual season for the Blue Jays, like two time Hank Aaron award winner, six time all star, like, I am so excited for Jose Bautista to have this moment. Not only that, he has probably, aside from the Joe Carter home run, the probably biggest home run and at least top three of the biggest home runs in Blue Jays history with his bat flip against Texas in the playoffs. So I can't wait. I'm going to try to get tickets to go to this game. And uh, I'm so happy for Jose Bautista. Bautista, when you think of the Blue Jays of, of you know, you know, uh, on some bad Blue Jays teams, and then he suffered it, suffered enough in, in series against Texas and in, in Kansas City, man. I mean, you got this guy. I mean, he is a very big reason we even got that far, let alone hit one of the biggest home runs in, in postseason history. Bautista did a lot of things right. And I'm really glad because he moved a lot around a lot early on in his career, playing for, I don't know, 100 minor league teams and whatever many organizations it seemed like too many, uh, finally settling with us and just doing fantastic things, man. Yes, I agree, Jesse. Long overdue level of excellence for him and bravo. Yeah, next up, Cooperstown for Jose Bautista. And I hope he can get in there. I hope his career was long enough and the voters got him in. I think he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Um, Riley, last week on our episode, we talked about some of the promotions that the Blue Jays were doing, and they've just released a bunch more. So we're going to talk about here. Go to our Twitter page if you want to see more. We tweeted out a bunch of these. But uh, I'm just going to read them out loud, Riley. And if there's something that catches your mind, stop me, all right? So the Blue Jays are going to do a Sesame Street day on April 29th, whatever that's about. I didn't know there was a big market for Sesame Street at the Rogers Center, but we're going to have that. The Jays are also going to do a Grateful Dead day, which I think is kind of cool. If you're a fan of the Grateful Dead, they're doing that on July 29th. They're having a college and university night, September 14th. Mother's Day is always one of the best days at the ballpark. They're doing an Alec Manoa bobblehead on that day. On May 2-4 weekend, they're doing a mesh hat on the Friday. And then on the Saturday, they're doing a pickleball paddle which I guess pickleball is uh, is growing across North America here, and a lot of people are doing that. Pride weekend for the Blue Jays will be June 9th and 10th. On July 28th, they're doing a, a Caribbean Carnival bucket hat. So if bucket hats are your thing, you can go to get a Blue Jays one of those. Junior Jays Saturdays are back as well, and they also have a Harry Potter day, which is new. We haven't seen a lot of that, and that'll be September 9th at the Rogers Center. And Riley, the big one, Looney Dog Days are back. And not only are they back on every Tuesday, the Rogers Center has announced we now have a hot dog porch this season on the 200 level right field section where you can go for a quote, elevated hot dog experience. So uh, do you have a thought or a takeaway on the promotions that the Blue Jays are running there? Well, I can't wait to be having a uh, hot dog with Big Bird on Sesame yes, Street yes. night. That's going to be a lot Sounds of great. fun. I don't know why I was a Sesame Street kid, and I think that's I think that's cool. Um, I I think I think that's I think it's great, man. Um, the the Blue Jays have always put on a good show. Let's say that. Um, I mean, baseball is entertainment at the end of the day. We're fans. We go to the ball game and we want a good experience. We go to the Rogers Center. So, I mean, the Sesame Street ones sounds like a good time. Uh, my girlfriend will love the Harry Potter one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to go to that. So hopefully she doesn't listen to the pod <laughs> or I'll be dressing up as Ron Weasley or something uh, going to a baseball that can be game. Arranged. We, can we will that. see, though, man. I, yeah, well, we will. We will see, um, Jesse. I just... Um, I just I just like going to baseball games, man. At the end of the day, I don't care if I have to take a kick in the shin and don't get um, a loony hot dog or a promotion, man. I'm just happy mm -hmm. to be at the ballpark. So the fact that they do this stuff is all fantastic, man. I just can't get over what uh, elevated hot dog experience would be. That um, like 
I like my mind can't even comprehend what that's going to be. Are they going to have people like dancing with hot dogs in the pouch the whole time? Or like, how is it going to be any different than just going up getting a hot dog sitting at your bench and eating it? I I'm very curious to see what they mean by, uh, by that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's definitely going to be something along the lines of, you know, basically like a, like, you know, a kind of like a chili potluck kind of sure, social, but we're sure. all just standing there with our hot dogs <laughs> yeah. eating and watching the game. Sounds great to me. Sounds like a great summer day, which I'm looking forward to as we get there. Guys, that'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As we mentioned, our next episode, we're going to break into the Blue Jays' X Factors. So which player's performance is going to go a big way to determining if the Blue Jays are going to be successful or not going into 2023. We've already talked about a lot of these guys in the offseason, but this is going to be our official list. And then we got to do our bold predictions, Riley, and then we got to do our season preview. And then after that, we have games to recap. So it's baseball season's going to be here before you know it. I can't wait, Riley. I'm sure you're very excited. I know you can't wait. And guys, please be sure to hit that like button on the way out. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We are rapidly growing. And please follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as well, Riley. Anything else to add before we call our day today? Well, let's see how many runs we can get the, this week. Like our last two yes. games against Pittsburgh and the Phillies were wait, absolute slugfest. Um, <laughs> I want to see like more of that. I know it's it's kind of silly, but I, like I really don't care about it. The spring training as much as you know, even close to the regular season. But when we put up double digit figures on the scoreboard in the runs department, I mean, it's fun. It's really it is, fun it to fun. win yep. baseball games in that in that fashion. And guys that you don't get to that you won't get to see a whole lot of it's 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 great entertainment man and finally they have those games at your leisure to view um and then of course yeah next week uh, x factors we had fun doing it last year and then of course yeah with the bold predictions where i won't say matt chapman will hit 54 home runs um <laughs> will be a little more reserved this time or i will anyways i can't we make didn't that know- promise uh, well, I mean, I haven't spoke. I haven't spoke about what I think Manoa is going to do yet this year, okay, but we'll get we'll get there, Jesse. We'll get there. All right, looking forward to that, guys. We'll see you guys again next week. Thanks, guys.